Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. This is episode number 38. My name is Allie, and today is Friday, March 19th, making this a free-for-all Friday show. For today's show, and to round out the week of all things Irish, let's take a peek at what has to be considered Ireland's national treasure, and probably their national drink as well, beer. Today we'll talk a little bit about four different beers, all from Ireland, a little bit of history, and then some tasting notes as well. Are you set? Let's jump on in. For starters, let me say, Ireland, like most of the rest of the world, has a budgeting craft beer scene. So while not a part of my list, there are literally hundreds of other beers from a few dozen Um, I think the last thing I managed to read said there's about 50 craft breweries in Ireland. But as with most craft breweries, they aren't really exporting, making it rather difficult to find um, all but the biggest breweries outside of at least the UK. Also know that um, often the big guys have brewery plants, aka giant production facilities, in the country where we're buying. So how a Guinness, for example, tastes can be slightly different in, um, say, Canada or the US or even Australia versus how it tastes at the brewery in Dublin. So just know that this is definitely not an exhaustive list of breweries or beers from Ireland. These are definitely just like the top four main beers that everybody associates with Ireland, um, ones that are easily recognizable and easily gettable just about anywhere in the world. So with that in mind, let's start with the most famous of the Irish beers, that being obviously Guinness. This beer has a long, and I mean long, history. In 1759, a man by the name of Arthur Guinness, sets out for Dublin from County Kildare, where he had had a small ale brewery. That same year, Arthur scores a 9,000-year lease on a small, disused, and ill-equipped piece of land at St. James's Gate and starts to brew ale. Okay. Let's pause on our history of Guinness here for a second and think about just how long a 9,000-year lease really is. It's a huge, huge chunk of time. That That is literally a longer lease than, like, known human history, right? Like, that that's a huge amount of time. Now, I'm pretty sure that the brewery still has the, quote, lease, and they haven't purchased this piece of land, but just think, it's a, it's a 9,000 years, long time. And yes, Guinness did originally make ale, so like a pale, um, kind of, we would call it a lager or an American ale um, here in North America, um, so just like your typical lighter beer. So 10 years later, the first batches of beer, though, head off to England, solidifying Guinness's kind of first exports into the export market. They were hugely well-received, and Arthur Guinness and his business start to grow. 
1799, porters, or darker beers, began to make a rise in London, and so Arthur becomes the first pivot, pivoter of the world in his industry and decides to completely change his beer, and thus the beer no- world as we know it. Going for a porter and kind of a lighter stout and kind of how we know Guinness to be today. So then there's a whole bunch of intervening years, and by 1821, the recipe as we know it is A, written down, you know, the Irish and their lack of written history, and effectively it's perfected, and very, very, very little changes about the beer from that point on. There's a couple little tweaks here and there, but not a whole lot happens. Okay, so Guinness starts to become a global brand in and around 1858 uh, when it begins to be exported in barrels as far as New Zealand. So it is originally a cask-aged ale, or porter, stout, um, being shipped everywhere in wooden casks. Um, They have since switched, I believe it was in the mid-90s, to, or no, it was earlier than that. It might have been the 70s. I actually forgot to write that down. Whoops. Um, they switched to iron barrels, uh, which they refer to as iron lungs, and they ship everything that way, um, which also helps. But um, so, but at the start, everything's being moved in barrels, same as most other beers. It's actually where the idea of an India Pale Ale comes from because the hops inside the barrel were preserving the beer. That's why we have hops and like a lot of hops in our IPAs. Okay, so does anybody else remember the slogan, Guinness is good for you? This slogan first appears in 1929 and Guinness, and it is Guinness's first printed ads. They featured super cute little animals. I definitely have seen these um, in kind of the typical Irish pub. Um, they definitely have them all the time. They're usually little metal signs hanging up and about, usually near a bathroom. Now, the velvety, velvety smoothness with its rich bubbles that gives Guinness kind of its signature head and foam and its um, cascading effect where it starts out light and then becomes dark as it comes up is from a combination of both nitrogen and carbon dioxide gases in the beer. And Guinness was the first beer to be poured on nitro starting in 1959. And then, like I said, very, very little changes other than putting it into steel barrels until 2018, when the brewery announces it will no longer use ice and glass, which is basically dried fish bladders, to clarify its beer, making it safe for vegans and vegetarians around the world. Um, and I believe it's one of the first big commercial beers to announce that. They have also been um, bought by Diageo Brands. Um, and I believe that was in the early 2000s or late 90s. Um, so if Guinness is the OG big beer of Ireland... We would be remiss not to talk about its little brother and a beer that I personally much prefer, the Harp Lager, or just Harp as most people know it. 
Harp is a much younger beer, having only first been brewed in the 1960s. It was created as the Irish Southern market share began to slow, as drinkers turned to lighter beers, aka continental lagers, and it was originally brewed by a consortium of brewers. There were five breweries um, in total at the start, and it was, by the turn of the century, it was basically owned outright by Guinness, and then obviously subsequently by Diageo Brands. And other than in Australia, where Harp has its own production facilities, all of the Harp that we drink in the world is actually still made right in Dublin. So unlike most of the other big guys, um, it is brewed completely in Dublin. Guinness, for example, has plants in Nigeria, hoping to plant in Nigeria in 1960, I believe, six, uh, might be 67, as well as I know there's at least one in Canada, there's one in Australia. Um, they're kind of located all over the world. So uh, if these two are siblings, they couldn't be more opposite. Um, obviously, Guinness is a rich, dark stout. Harp is a nice, bright, crisp lager. And they really couldn't be further from each other stylistically, um, which is very cool to think about. Alrighty. Up next is a style known as the Irish Red Ale. And a beer that is the most consumed ale in all of Ireland. And definitely the beer that when you think Irish Red Ale, this is the beer that comes to mind. And that is Smithix, which is spelt S-M-I-T-H-W-I-C-K apostrophe. Yeah, no apostrophe S. Smithix. Yes, Smithix. Apostrophe S at the end. Whew. Definitely a little confused on how I spell that. <laughs> These guys also beat the Guinnesses to the punch by 54 years since they started brewing in Kilkenny in 1705. So if we think the Guinnesses have a long history, the Smithics definitely beat them out by quite a bit. It's almost like two generations right there. So devout Catholics, um, it was an uphill climb for the Smithics to be accepted in society and in order to be able to brew um, to start. So penal law at the time said that Catholics couldn't do things like own land, run for elected office. Um, so they did originally have a business partner until um, penal law was re repealed and then they bought out the partner um, and kind of enjoyed everything that being a full citizen of Ireland entailed. So for just over a hundred years, they enjoyed huge, 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 huge market share until the late 1800s when sales lagged um, and people were going more for um, the stouts and porters or the lagers and the red ale kind of dropped to the wayside. Um, so the brewery devised a plan to also sell and make mineral water and they even delivered butter with their beer. So if you ordered beer, you would get butter with it. Um, to kind of increase their market share and their market, I guess, knownability, um, I guess, brand recognition. Multi-talented or what, guys? Like, that's that's pretty cool. And, and then until 1965, it was actually owned and completely by the Smithix family. They sold um, to Guinness at that point, um, which is something we see in business called J-curving, 
Um, so as more and more people enter the marketplace, we see more and kind of cost goes down and price goes down. We see people start to buy up more and more and more um, breweries and land and whatever um, industry you happen to be in. And then we slowly start to see the small guy come back in. And that's where we are right now. So there's all these big guys, but a bunch of little craft guys are starting to come up too. So three interesting facts about Smithix Brewing. Um, the brewery survived the Second War, um, World War by securing military contracts, much like Guinness did. So um, Guinness sent beer to all of the troops for Christmas, and Smithix sent them for, um, I think, just general consumption. It doesn't say what they actually sent it for. It just says that they were uh, sending beer. Um, they first exported to Boston in 1950, then to France in 1980, and then to Canada in 93. So they were pretty far behind the train as far as exporting. Um, definitely behind the curve on that one. And number three, there are still Smithicks who brew in Kilkenny, which is pretty awesome. In 2017, Paul Smithick, whose father sold the original brewery to Guinness, and his son Daniel started Sullivan's Ale. Now Sullivan's were an original brewery family as well, and um, the, the new Smithicks bought the old brewery and um, the old name, even though they'd been sitting empty for, I believe it was just over 70 years, might have been 60, and the new Sullivans, or the new Smithicks, currently make an Irish red ale, and they also make an Irish gold ale, so that's kind of cool, definitely something to keep our eyes out for, um, as far as historical beers. And then rounding out our beers from Ireland that we've probably heard of is Kilkenny Cream Ale, or just Kilkenny, um, which is spelled K-I-L-K-E-N-N-Y, and much like Harp, is the little brother to Guinness. Kilkenny is definitely the little sibling of Smithick. When I say brother, guys, I don't mean to genderize drinks or beers or whatever. Um, it's just that idea, that concept of like, the little brother, little sibling, like pat on the head kind of idea. It's nothing to do with gender. Um, the Kilkenny and Smithicks were brewed at the same brewery from around the same time. Uh, no, not quite the same time. Smithicks is definitely first. Kilkenny comes second. And it was m mostly so that it could be marketed to the U.S. and Canada and I'm assuming other parts of kind of the um, English-speaking Western world, in the 80s and 90s, so it would be easier for them to say than Smithicks because that people really s struggled with that because it looks like it should be said Smithwicks instead of Smithicks. And an export product, it remains, with the vast majority being exported to three marketplaces, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. Much like Guinness, though, Kilkenny is poured on nitro, giving it its distinctively creamy head and very foamy top. All right, so some quick tasting notes on these four beers. And yes, they are basically all owned by Diageo Brands. I didn't do that on purpose. This is in no way sponsored by Diageo Brands. Um, Diageo just happens to be one of the largest alcohol conglomerates in the world, and they buy up a lot 
of things. So that's why it has nothing to do with anything else. So our tasting notes, Guinness, uh, malty sweet with some notes of t- bitterness, coffee and chocolate. It's not overly hoppy or overly bitty, bitter, though it has a lot of malty, toasty, roasty notes and is a lighter drinking heavy beer is how it's generally described to people. So it looks like it's going to be very thick and heavy and it kind of is, but it doesn't drink like you're drinking a glass of oatmeal. Harp, crisp and bright, slightly bready with lots of honey, earth, floral notes, and maybe some fruitiness with a very distinctive hop note to it. Um, But at the same time, not bitter hop like we would think with an IPA or most kind of West Coast IPA beers from here in North America. It's very delicious and easy to drink. Smithix, rich red in color, which comes from what um, malts they're using is how we extract the color there. Lots of malty sweetness, caramel notes, and toasted grain notes. Some hop notes, but they're very smooth. It's definitely a beer that kind of tastes sweet followed by slightly bitter. Not saying it's sweet, just has like a sweet taste from the caramel notes and the toasted grain notes. Kilkenny is also surprisingly a red ale, but it has more of a cream and caramel notes with more fruit. Some grain notes, but it is decidedly sessionable, as we call it in the industry, or for those of us not in the know, drinkable. So with that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode of Drinks with Allie. I hope you enjoyed our little peek into Ireland this week. If you would like to send me a show topic idea, a question, a comment, concern, whatever it is, you can reach out to me in a few different ways. You can head over to the website and you can click on episode 38's page and you can leave a comment right there at the bottom of the post. You can also click on the contact me button on the website and you can fill in the form and that will come directly to me. And the website would be drinkswithally.com. Almost forgot that. If you would like to just send me an email directly, you can do that to drinkswithally at gmail.com. And if you're looking to send me a message on social media, you can do that in a few different places. As always, it will be at drinkswithally. But you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, TikTok, Spotify, and Pinterest. So with that, guys, fill your glass with something tasty. Cheers, everyone.